you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you here this morning. Uh, for those who I haven't met, my name's Pat. I have the joy and privilege of being one of the pastors here at City on Hill. I want to start by saying a massive thank you to Neil Castle. Uh, Pastor Neil stepped in for us last week as I couldn't preach this passage last week because myself, my family had the dreaded Rona. We got the spicy cough, the COVID-19, whatever we're calling it these days, we got it and it was awful. We had a terrible time with it. Um, so a big shout out to anybody who's online, who's suffering on the couch, we feel you, we're with you. Please look after each other during this time. It's really not fun. Some people are really asymptomatic, some people really get leveled with it. Some people at our church at the moment are in a pretty bad way, so please continue your prayers for our state, for the people at church. Uh, We'd love to support each other. And if you get corona or, you know, any sickness, please do message us, let us know. We'd love to be praying with you for healing and for comfort. And if there's any way that we can help out, please do let us know. It'd be great. Today, we're continuing our series, as Nick mentioned, and for the first time ever, I memorized the Bible reading that I'm using. Here we go. Go, therefore. Woo, did it. I was nervous about that bit, but here we are. But we know that in two words, God can do a lot of things. So before we unpack it, let's pray and see what he does. Our Lord God, you have called us to know you and love you, to serve you. As we come to your word today, please comfort our anxieties, strengthen us in our weaknesses, and heal us of our doubts. God, your words are powerful, and with them you create galaxies. So as we come to this short passage today, may we be reminded of this truth that your instruction is awesome. Amen. Now, it's pretty hot. It's 10.30 in the morning, but I want to try something new because I'm that kind of guy. When I say ready, three, two, one, I want us to all clap. Just one clap. Ready? Three, two, one. Yes, that's awesome. Whenever I say ready, three, two, one, throughout the sermon, I would love for you to join me in a single clap because we're going to feel like a team. We're going to be talking about mission. We're going to be looking at what our actual directive is as a church. So ready? Three, two, one. Yes, this is awesome. I like it. But first, come back with me. The year is 1961, and the Green Bay Packers, my NFL team, are returning to training camp after the most horrible season loss in the Super Bowl ever. Now, if you don't know anything about NFL... It is you and everyone else in this room. It is a very niche sport. It's big in America, but no one has a clue what is happening in it here. But I love it. You don't need to know about it. All you need to know is that Green Bay lost and they shouldn't have. They gave it up. They 
lost it, they just threw it away in the Super Bowl. But their coach was a guy named Vince Lombardi. Now, he walked into that training camp and he had a totally different plan than anyone thought. He wasn't going to take anything for granted. He began the football season with the most basic fundamentals of the NFL. He opened the camp with this really famous line. He stood in front of 38 men and he held up an NFL ball and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. This is a football. So he's in charge of these 38 professionals, the 38 best players in the world. They clearly know that, but he made them all learn how to block and tackle again. Their best player, Max McGee, a superstar, joked, Coach, can you slow down a bit, when he was taking them through how to put on their shoes and socks again. He wanted to get every single bit of the game dialed. They went on to win the next Super Bowl, 37 to zip. It was amazing. If you don't know NFL, that's a great score. See, the practice of nailing the fundamentals has been the practice of successful sports teams and companies throughout history. Phil Jackson did it with the Chicago Bulls. Dimmer Hardwick did it with the uh, Richmond Tigers. Apple nailed the fundamental of their products for market saturation. So it's been a while. We've been knocked around the last few years, but I think we should get back to nailing the fundamentals of mission as we look at the Great Commission. So we're going to be going over two fundamentals. We're going to be going over the mission and we're going to be going over the strategy. Ready? Three, two, one. Yes, that's good. So Jesus, in our passage, has called us to go, therefore. He's called us to a mission. But before we explore the mission and the strategy, let's, in detail, let's first stop off at these two fundamentals. The first, foundation, the first fundamental is the Bible is our foundation. The Bible is our foundation. We as Christians believe and follow the Bible. City on a hill, this is a Bible. This is a Bible. In line with our vision to see the east of Melbourne, see the truth, the beauty and the relevance of Jesus, we need to go to the Bible. This book informs all that we know about God, what we know about ourselves and how we view other people, how we navigate this, inc- navigate this increasingly complex world how we are to do mission in the first place. This book is absolutely critical to our mission, but also to our personal lives. God, in his wisdom, has given us the Bible so we can see him and so we can know him. And we can trust the Bible because it's the very word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Let's unpack that briefly. The Bible is useful for teaching. We can learn how to navigate the world through it. It rebukes us, doesn't it? When we read the Bible, we realise how short we fall of God in rebellion. It corrects us, not just showing our falling short, but how life is designed to actually be lived. And it trains us for righteousness. The Bible is about and trains us how to be right with God. Every day it reminds us to be a grace recipient, not a grace graduate. It is with the above teaching, rebuking, correcting and training that we're actually able to go and do work on behalf of God in our community. God has shown himself to us. He has inspired biblical authors in different times and different places to write the scriptures that we now have. 
In this day and age, it's very hard to discern what is true and what is fake, what is truth and what is fake news. It just seems to be everywhere. But the Bible is plain truth. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to discern, is this true? It's simply the Word of God. Jesus himself, when he was on earth, he appealed to the Scriptures as having ultimate authority. The Bible also is the supreme authority in our lives. Now, it's not the only authority. We have parents, we have teachers, we have governments, we have police, we have pastors, we have coaches, etc. But the Bible is the supreme authority in our lives. What it says matters and what it says goes, it has the final word in our lives. Our beliefs, our values, our opinions, our mission, the way we operate and relate and love one another, all come out of this book. We need this book not only when we're thinking about going on mission, but before we go on mission. It's amazing how important this book is, yet how neglected it often is in our lives. Last year, I had the great opportunity to be in the Bible a bit, but I also had a great opportunity to watch the amazing sitcom, The Office, from start to finish, again. I think it was my third time. That is 74 hours of Netflix. That is 3.1 straight days of TV. I watched for comfort, I watched for joy, and I watched for rest. I had to ask myself, do I find comfort, joy, and rest in the Bible? I allowed the office to wash over me and disciple me. I'd wake up thinking of Michael Scott quotes and it was like the first thing on my heart. I had let the office, I'd let Netflix disciple my heart. This is a huge reality check for Pat. Huge reality check for me. Is it scripture that comes to my head in the morning? When I'm faced with sin and temptation, is remembering quotes from TV going to help me? When faced with opportunity to love others, do I have the Word of God deep in my heart that actually enables me to have a righteous reaction to other people? You see, only by speaking to God in word and prayer can we hope to have our hard hearts changed towards God. So I would love for you to make a commitment with me to read at least some of this book every single day. If this is how you can know God, and if this is how you can connect with God, and if you're on mission for God, then please, let's be in God's Word as a church. So that's the first fundamental. The Bible is our foundation. Ready? Three, two, one. The second fundamental. The Gospel is our centre. Let's open up to Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, for a person to become a disciple of Jesus, they need to know Jesus. The gospel is all about Jesus. So what's the gospel? You may never have heard this question, or maybe you've heard it and you actually don't have an answer to it, and that's okay, because we're going to go over it. The Gospel wider is the fundamental story between God and humankind. It's what Christian believe. It's actually what we go on mission with. Let me give you a Gospel presentation under the headings Creation, Fall, Redemption and Recreation. That's an easy way of remembering the Gospel. Creation, Fall, Redemption, Recreation. So let's start with Creation. In the beginning, God created everything. 
all the world and all that is around the world, the galaxies, the universe, is created by God and creation is good. Creation existed for man and God to dwell together harmoniously. We are God's creation created for relationships. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are created by God in His image. But we rebelled against God in the fall. We are all sinners and we all choose our happiness over others, all choose our kingdom over God's kingdom. Sin and death entered the world and poisoned the good creation that God had made. The relationship between God and man was severed because a holy and perfect God cannot dwell with a broken and sinful man. But then the act of redemption. God didn't leave us in that state, did he? He immediately enacted a plan of salvation for those who he calls. Because God loves us, Jesus died for us. He took on himself sin and died he took on himself sin and died the death that we deserve to die so that we could be forgiven. He shared his life for, with us, the life of God's son, so that we can have God as our father. Our true self can only be found in restoration and forgiveness with with Jesus at the center. We can become children of God. God is love, God is justice, and he wants us to be in relationship with him. God loves those who don't love him. In Jesus, he lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death we should have died. His righteousness became our righteousness and we must repent in response to that. We must ask for forgiveness and turn the other way from our sin. We must believe, transferring our trust from our efforts to the efforts of Christ. And we live in the reality that the truth of one day Jesus is coming back to make all things new and that when he does, we're either with him or we are against him. Either he will embrace us as his own or he won't know us. That day for you will be the last day of suffering in your life if you're with Jesus. The last day you ever wonder, why is this happening? The last day you ever weep over losing a loved one, the last day you ever feel the pain, the pain of abuse, neglect or betrayal. Life, eternal life with Jesus will be perfect, absolutely perfect. However, if you don't know him, you will not be with him. Because if love and trust and restoration with God is found in Jesus, if he takes on the deserved punishment for those with faith in him, then those who don't have it have decided to take on the wrath for themselves. Speculation about what this experience will be like is quite problematic. It's often tainted with cartoon depictions of hell. But know this, no one spoke more tenderly and with more warning about the reality of hell than the person who is love himself, Jesus. Jesus spoke frankly that restoration would not be for all but to all, he is available. That's the gospel. That's the good message. That's the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is that you are worse, I am worse than we can ever imagine, but we are more loved than we can ever comprehend. See, every presentation of the gospel requires an explanation and an intervention by the Holy Spirit to change the hearer's heart, and until until it does people will find that message, the gospel, 
really offensive. Church, we ha- I hope that we have taken off our crowns of selfishness, greed and envy, foolishness, and finally entered the kingdom of God with Jesus on the throne. The kingdom with inhabitants marked by the gospel. You are God's child. The gospel isn't just an aspect of your life, it is your life. It's the window by which you should see absolutely everything. If you're new or visiting, and this is the first time you've heard this message of Jesus, it's a truth, it's a reality, and it is absolutely for you. Jesus lived, He died, and He rose again for reconciliation between you and God. He is the King of the heavens, He is the King of the earth, and He lived and died for you. If you want to know more about this, please come speak with me, please come speak with Nick or the person who brought you here. We would love to explore the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus with you and we would love to hear your story and get your take on it. So church, these are our two fundamentals. The Bible is our foundation and the Gospel is our centre. Got it? Three, two, one. So with the Bible as our foundation, the Gospel as our centre, let's turn and look at the mission from God in this passage. In the first week, Nick spoke really well about the fact that all authority has been given to Jesus on heaven and on earth, and then Neil highlighted how the main imperative that follows in the text is the call to make disciples, and in between is this weird word, go. Let's read it again. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is the mission that this text sets out for the church. Go and change hearts for God. Go in all power and authority to all people, because God's mission is people. And this raises a bit of a question, doesn't it? Who do we go to? Who are we we taking the gospel message to? Well, the answer is in the text. Read with me again, verse 19. Make disciples of all nations. You really can't feel left out when you read this passage. It's literally the most all-encompassing statement ever. It is abundantly clear in the text that the message of Jesus, that He is Lord of the universe and that it is for all nations. And over the last 2,000 odd years, we've seen this, haven't we? As it has gone forth to many nations. God's mission is to communicate His amazing love and grace to the world. His mission changes lives, it restores souls, it redeems relationships, it frees the oppressed. It is the most powerful thing in the universe. But to get a clear picture of what we are to go and do, it's worth having a look at what God's mission isn't. God's mission isn't, go therefore and make a Christian club where everyone thinks, talks and behaves the exact same way, where people can attend on a Sunday, consume and leave. God's mission isn't, go with people that you love to be with, where you get to ignore the people that you don't really like hanging out with. God's mission isn't for us to have the biggest church budget, to have the best, most well-known music or to have celebrity pastors. God's mission isn't where we have a circle of those on the in and a circle of those on the out. It's not go therefore and create Christian nationalism and tribalism. It's not go therefore and focus on personal freedom and liberty over sacrifice and service. Focus on doing good to be seen rather than silent, fervent and frequent prayer. 
All that is not God's mission. And our church is young, and by God's grace, we're growing, and that is awesome. But I want to speak for a moment into something that I think we're getting a little bit wrong. Some of us are coming to church with the attitude of, what can I get out of this place? Seems to be a solid Bible teaching church. The rosters seem to be pretty full. How can I sit back and coast? This is a dangerous thought. Because with this attitude, it's just a matter of time until we start feeling disconnected from those around us. A lot of us are feeling disconnected from each other at the moment. It's hard. We're a young church and we've grown fast, as I said. We've had the best part of the last two years online and we're struggling to connect with one another. Therefore, we need to make a really considered effort to get involved in the lives of one another this year, to know one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to celebrate with one another and to lament with one another. The call is to make a big effort in the next few months to get involved in people's lives so they feel connected and you feel connected to them. We also need to make a considered effort to get involved in the life of our church. City Kids Ministry, City Youth Ministry, Sunday Hosting, Logistics, Production, Mercy Ministries, there are so many ways that Nick just showed that you can get involved in the life of our church. Go. My prayer is that we foster a community so great that it naturally explodes into missional outlook and focus. A community where we have people meeting up and reading the Bible together one-on-one regularly, that they can do that with people who don't yet know Jesus. The dream for our church is to be a church that simply knows Jesus and makes Jesus known. That means we go deep with one another and then take Jesus out to others. Ready? Three, two, one. Love it. The last thing, the strategy. If God's mission is people, as we've seen, this leads us to the strategy. Ready for the strategy? You. God's mission is people and his strategy is you. We all have a role in going. We all have a role in evangelism. Every single person hearing this message, both online and in this room, All of you have a role in making God's kingdom known because God in his mysterious wisdom has decided to use you. Now, this is one of the coolest realities of the call that Jesus gives us in this passage. You see, first he encourages us that all authority has been given to him and go in power in light of that. But if Jesus has all authority and if Jesus will be with us always, then why does Jesus need us at all? Why should I go and talk to my mates about Jesus if God is sovereign and going to save? What is the point? This brings us to one of my favourite tensions, evangelism and the sovereignty of God. See, in an orchestra, there are many different parts that play together to make a beautiful, harmonious piece. You have the wind section, the brass section, the percussion section, the string section. When I was a kid, I played in an orchestra and I played tuba. And to be fair, I didn't just play tuba, I think I played third tuba. And so in an orchestra, when you're playing a beautiful piece, there's not a lot of third tuba solos going around. But I would toot away, and I would contribute to this beautiful piece overall. And yes, maybe I was a bit jealous of the beautiful trumpets that were tooting away at the front, getting a bit of a solo. But the wider point was to make a beautiful piece of music harmoniously together. In the same way, there are many roles in evangelism. 
Each one of us has a distinct but complementary role to play in the lives of others knowing Jesus. And this is worth unpacking. It's really complicated, but it's worth diving into. So please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's often a forgotten and neglected book. It's just after Colossians. We're going to be kind of walking through verses 4 to 10. So 1 Thessalonians 1 verses 4 to 10. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us in the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned from God to idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. We will quickly note Six roles are being played here. The first role to note is in verse 5. It tells us that God chooses those to be saved. There is a sovereign role in salvation. This is the theological idea or principle of calling, election or predestination. It's right here in the text. The second role is of Jesus, to save. Verse 10 tells us, He is responsible for dying to people's sins taking the wrath of God on Himself rather than it falling on us. This is the theological idea of atonement. Thirdly, Paul the evangelist in this situation has a role to communicate the gospel. And as we see in verse 5, he does this with both word and action. He modelled a life lived in light of the gospel as well as communicated the truths of the gospel clearly to them. Fourth, the Holy Spirit's role is twofold in this situation. It first empowers the person who's communicating the gospel, again in verse 5, but it also works in the heart of the hearer and illuminates their heart by convicting them, opening their heart to receive the gospel with joy. Fifth, the Thessalonians hear the gospel and welcome it with joy in verse 6. They respond with faith in verse 8 by turning from their idols to God. Now they are intimidators of Paul and models for other believers as they wait for Jesus' return. And lastly, the gospel message in verse 8 is about Jesus. It's the means by which the Holy Spirit convicts people for their sins and enables them to welcome God's salvation with joy. You see, there's more than one thing going on at once here when someone is saved, when a group of people hear the gospel and it changes them. God calls, Jesus saves, the evangelist brings the message, The Spirit calls in power, suffering and joy. The hearers respond in faith and repentance. And the gospel message, the story of Jesus, is the instrument that is used. So that is the theological strategy of going. It's simple, but it's worth touching on why it's so hard to do. Why are there some blockers to us doing mission today? Because the reality is that sharing the gospel with our friends and family can be scary. Because we're led to believe that everyone hates Christians. 
This is true in some parts of the world. In some parts of the world, sharing the gospel, they're afraid of what's called the raised fist. If I share my faith, then someone might hit me, they might kill me, they might hurt my family or my friends or my community. And this is a really legitimate fear and we should be praying fervently for people who are in these communities. In Melbourne, to our shame, we are not afraid of the raised fist. We are afraid of the raised eyebrow. We are often afraid that people will look at us funny for what we believe and we let that cripple us before we even get to the conversation. Do you resonate with this? Do you have a long list of things that stop you from going to do this mission? To stop you from going? Is it circumstance? Is COVID lockdowns or life stage stopping you from sharing the gospel? Be encouraged that God has placed you in the circumstance that you are in right now. And in that circumstance, you can share the good news. Paul shared the good news from jail in chains and the gospel went forth. Look at the way that the gospel has spread across every culture. Christianity, Christians, the church has always been in a tough spot. Don't let this tough spot take you away from sharing your faith. And if you're not feeling equipped, I want to share two encouragements for you. All authority has been given to Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves. And he will also be with you until the end of the age. He has all authority and he's promised to always be with you. It's awesome. Church, we've been told to go. We've been told to multiply. We've been told to make disciples of all nations. We've been told to go because God's mission is people and his strategy is you. So I pray for boldness. If you are the only Christian in your family witnessing to the in one of the hardest situations I think there is. Please have boldness in ministering to your family. I pray for boldness if you're a student in the schoolyard trying to keep your faith when everyone around you is pulling you in different directions. Keep the faith. I pray for boldness to go. If you're a uni student involved with AFES or Power to Change, make the most of this amazing, unique opportunity that you have as a uni student to share your faith. Go. I pray for boldness to go. If you're in the early stages of your career without authority or you're worried about not being taken seriously, have courage. Get around that water cooler and share the gospel. I pray for boldness for those who are adjusting to a new life stage as a young parent, a mum or dad at home. May you see this child as an amazing gift from God, an opportunity to do deep discipleship. And may you take the opportunity when you're invited into other people's houses to take the gospel and share it. I pray for boldness to go for those who are stuck at home for whatever reason, illness or disability that has taken you out of the normal rhythms of other people's lives. I pray that you may become a prayer warrior like we've never seen before. May you pray for others who are doing the physical mission and may you use your testimony of sickness and discomfort to proclaim Jesus one day. I pray for boldness for those who are on work sites. May your words and actions be so distinctive that they do raise eyebrows that they do spark questions. And may you be praying that the Holy Spirit gives you amazing answers to answer these guys and girls. I pray for boldness for those who are considering a career change, maybe thinking about taking the leap into vocational ministry. Go for it. I pray that you go with all power and all encouragement. Seek wisdom and mentoring for those who are already in it. 
help others discern with you whether vocational ministry is for you. But let me say this. Most likely, the reason why you don't want to go is because you're scared. Come be scared with us. Go. I pray for boldness for those who have the opportunity to take the gospel to other nations. If you are considering overseas mission, please take as many of us with you as possible. I pray that you are able to take the gospel into places that have gospel drought, where there's entire people groups who have never had the Bible translated into their language. I pray that we can go. And I pray for boldness for those who are on the back nine of their lives. For those who are considering retirement, I pray that your mission just goes bananas. I pray that God uses your wisdom and your age but fills you with strength and zeal and energy that you can't help but boast about Jesus to everybody who you meet. You're a massive blessing to us. Go to us. Church, let's keep the Bible our fingertips. Let's keep the gospel our centre. God's mission is people and his strategy is you. Therefore, let's go. Ready? Three, two, one. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.